to the latest edition of the Podcast Podcast. My name is Dave Dunning, and tonight to talk a little bit about the Baron game and United um, on Sunday. I've got Cengiz Gokery, Chief, Neil Patterson out in Berlin. How are you guys doing tonight, Cengiz? All right, man. Pretty good. Um, it's been a rough few days, but um, feeling better. Looking forward to Sunday, and uh, as the days go by, it, it feels like a better result since... Um, uh, at the end of the uh, at the full time on Tuesday night. Yeah, think so. Good stuff. Okay, Chief, how you doing, lad? Yeah, yeah, all good, man. All good. Um, yeah, looking forward to getting stuck into this. Uh, we, we get talking about the Bayern game and look forward to United, which, as always, the next game is the biggest game of the season. So let's go. All right. So no, no. Um, I think we everybody was sort of expecting. And I know I certainly was sort of expecting um, um, Roma, a la 2018, sort of performance. And it didn't really happen. And Barn came to frustrate and and maybe get something on the counter and didn't really seem to have any sort of attacking intent at all. And they defended much better than I thought they would. But it was a strange approach from them, I thought, on the face of it. But ultimately, see, what you would have to call is a really a really solid away European performance from them? Yeah, I mean, I, I think I think there are a number of ways of looking at it. I think probably from a from a Bayern perspective, um, certainly from their coach's perspective, they achieved exactly what they wanted to achieve. You could see that by his reaction on, on full time. Yeah, I mean, it's a little odd in a way because they may have had a, a few injuries and suspensions and so on, but Bayern Munich are still a formidable side even though they're not in the the most dominant of form at home. But, I mean, still something like uh, 11 wins under 12 or, you know, a, a very, very impressive record since uh, the last Champions League game in in the domestic league. Um, they've certainly kind of um, gotten their season back on track and they're only three points behind Borussia Dortmund now who are, who are wobbling slightly. You'd think with, with us having makeshift centre-backs that they'd have, I've had a little bit more of a go at at least last 20, you know. If we concede an away goal in the last, you know, 10, 15 minutes, that, that's a, a real hammer blow. Uh, but they didn't go for it. And to be honest, they didn't really have many chances to go for it or any chances to go for it. I don't think they, re- they registered a shot on target. At a certain point, that has to come down to mentality because um, Bayern Munich can fashion, I'm sure, a shot on target against most teams. Having said that, you've got to say Liverpool defended well to what extent that they had to. Um, I think the first half, we yeah, we, we, we were unlucky, to be honest, not to score. I think the, I think we had a number of chances. I think the one I look at is, is Salah's header, where he's, he's, he's ghosting in at the far post. And I think he just... What a shite header. He takes his half, it doesn't he? He closes oh, his eyes. Terrible. The last second, because he's running right on it. He should just plant it back the way it comes, and it's a goal. There's See, if the, I actually, I actually think Mane's miss was worse. Yeah, but uh, is he not disorientated? I don't know. I haven't, I haven't watched it back in enough detail. I've seen the highlights again a couple of times, but he, he looks like he's sort of he's done a one eighty there, hasn't he? And he's kind of off balance and falling over. He's so much time, and he doesn't realise he's so much yeah. time, and he just snatches at it. Um, and I think everybody looked at it going, "Oh, just take a touch and, and just bury it." And yeah, he's, he's kind of falling over yeah. as he hits it. So. Was, That's the big thing, isn't he? He's unaware of the space and time that he has and he's in. Yeah, and it's dead easy looking from, you know, 60 feet above him that he's loads of time and space. 
It's not that yeah. easy when the ball's at your feet. No, I think the way it sort of pops to him as well. Like, But, yeah, there were, I mean, we're talking about that. We're arguing over which was the bigger chance, you know what I mean? We had the chances. And if we stick one of them away, there's no telling. We, 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 we may have ended up getting two or three, you know. Um, but we didn't. And, and that's the way it goes. Personally, at the time, I was kind of shocked in a way, rather than disappointed, as you said, none of us expected nil-nil. I definitely expected we would score. I was a little bit concerned that they might score. Uh, I was very surprised that they didn't really attempt to score. Um, and I think it's advantage us because, you know, in basic terms, we score one, they have to score two. And it, we can't lose with a nil-nil unless, you know, unless we uh, the worst we, we get is penalties. So, you know, it's kind of the way I see it, really. Um, Cengiz, I don't know what, what you make of it, man. Uh, well, I thought, um, as you mentioned, Dave, I thought Bayern had a really good performance, very mature, very professional, and you could um, actually see why they played so many semifinals in the last couple of years in the Champions League. You know, they, they've been a major stronghold in the Champions League knockout phase, and... Um, uh, it, it, no one expected this game to be a nil-nil. You know, you you, you could send you, you you would think that you know something would happen in the last minute or something. But I thought Bayern actually had quite a lot of control over the game uh, for most periods. I remember at the end of the first half, I was asking around the stats for um, possession because I thought they had more possession than us. And then it was it was fifty-fifty in the uh, in the first half, but at full time they had actually fifty-three percent possession. Um, so I, I thought they managed to uh, play really calmly. You know, it would be absolutely foolish of them if they tried to go all gung ho and try and score as many goals as possible because it's their way leg or something. So uh, I thought their game plan was very well. And one thing which I realized was that uh, their um, the way they were occupying spaces and marking our men, especially during the throw-ins, like you could see how we were struggling. We were taking so long to take those throw-ins, even though, you know, they've been obviously coached. Um, you know, Trent and Robbo have been coached um, um, quite a lot over the last few months with the goal uh, throw-in coach. So, you know, they've been working on different aspects of the throw-in, attacking throw-in, a long throw, and, you know, all this kind of stuff. So, But they still struggled. They kept on looking left and right, didn't know where to go because there were Bayern players occupying exactly the right spaces so players could not could either have no time on the ball when they receive it or they were they just didn't have the space for the ball at all. Um, so in general they def- they defended really well but as you mentioned Neil uh, we had we didn't have too many chances but I thought we had good enough chances that on another day when uh, when we're more clinical we take those chances and it could have ended up being a big win but uh, on the night it didn't but you have to give credit to Bayern for the way they managed the game. And uh, I thought Coman and Nabry on the wings actually caused our fullbacks problems. You know, we're not, especially this season, we're not used to seeing Trent and Robertson uh, getting dribbled past and struggling to deal with forward players. But I thought they were given a very strong test. And that's exactly what I love about the Champions League, actually, because, you know, we, we got so caught up in uh, the title race and everything. But, you know, it's these kind of Champions League games where you can really... Um, expect unexpected and even if you're feeling so confident and even the German media and most of Germany were you know hyping Liverpool and you know there was everyone thought the same thing that Kovac would have a really really big test and he did but he managed it really well 
But yeah, it's just when you when you when you think that you know, just when you're confident and you think you can take on these big teams, it's it's kind of nice to see that you know uh, there's someone out there who will give you a challenge. And I think that that was actually a really nice um, game to kind of get our rhythm back just before we play Man United. But um, overall, um, Bayern, uh, I thought they did exceptionally well for an uh, for an away team, and they'll they'll they're obviously the. Um, Delighted with the score. Uh, both the German media have been praising them for the result as if it's a win. And uh, yeah, Kovac's celebration antics at the end where he kind of left um, Klopp hanging when he was trying to shake his hand. And that's kind of the reason why uh, Klopp had the um, exchange with him um, at full time. And then he later apologized, apparently. But So they're obviously delighted with the result and it was a good performance by them. But I thought it was a really good performance by us as well because... Uh, we dealt with their threat and uh, Fabinho dropped back to center half because of um, our injury situation and the suspension to Van Dijk. And I thought he did exceptionally well. He was so calm and at no point did uh, did he seem panicked at all. Uh, there was a few shaky situations with um, Matip and Alisson. Um, obviously, I, I, I'm going to be slightly critical of um, Alisson here um, because I think in the last few games he, he seemed to, you know, really... Uh, delay his kicking and um, his kicking has been off, you know, passing the ball too late, almost getting caught out, actually getting contact with uh, the forwards who are, who are pressing on him. Um, and, you know, I, I really hope that uh, I, I guess we'll talk about Man United um, in, in quite a little bit, but um, I, I really hope that he kind of gets back his concentration levels and uh, obviously Van Dyke coming back will help him as well. And, you know, he needs to kind of get back to De Gea's level if we want to get something out of that game. But apart from Alisson, um, I thought Fabinho, you know, he was exceptionally well. Um, Matip, he had uh, the one or two nervy situations because of the situation Alisson put him in. But I thought he's he's not been um, maybe appreciated by most of us because of his um, lack of avail- availability over the last few seasons. But yeah, I, I thought I thought he's been... Uh, he was okay as well. So overall, the the most positive thing for us was that even though we didn't take our chances and the game was still nil-nil, we still didn't concede a goal. Uh, we kept a clean sheet. And I think it's um, the, the game in Bayern Munich in uh, three weeks will perfectly suit our game plan. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I agree with that. Like, um, biggest the biggest factor is that we, we didn't concede a goal. Um, and I think that's where Bayern have... have fallen down slightly while I would agree with the the fact that they executed exactly the game plan that their coach wanted I I think that they've potentially missed a trick because in banking on the fact that they're um, going to win the home leg um, they've sacrificed what is probably the most important commodity in, in European knockout football these days which is the away goal it's interesting to talk about Alisson and, and the defence in general because we've been talking about it more frequently over the last five six games, shall we say, because uh, because we've had we've conceded more goals, of course. And I, um, I mean, I guess the, and we didn't concede a goal, of course, against uh, against Bayern. But we're talking about Alisson being shaky and Matip being shaky and so on. But it's no real surprise, is it? I mean, we, we've talking about our our offside trap. It's been sprung for the first few times this season recently. 
But I mean, when you when you kind of boil it all down, it's because we haven't had our first choice back five playing for as long as you can remember. Really, there's always been somebody out, somebody missing, and it continues to be the case. Potentially in the second leg, we will have our first choice back five playing. Uh, okay, not Gomez probably, but uh, at least Lovren. So almost the first choice back five, and certainly back five playing together more often. I, I don't think it's any surprise to see that Allison's a little bit shakier when he's not not sure what Matip's perhaps going to do. He's, he doesn't have the same personnel in front of him. It's a, it's a big game for him as well. You know, we think of him, obviously, as this, as you mentioned earlier, Cheng is uh, in the pre-party, Brazilian God. But, you know, as I mentioned Last time on the pod, it's a step up for him moving moving to to Liverpool from from Roma. The expectation that uh, this Liverpool uh, side is now under, particularly in in Europe and and with the history and with last year and so on, uh, he's been brought in to to kind of make us better. And last year we got to the Champions League final, so it's a tough act to follow. At the end of the day, yeah, um, there were there were certainly things that that weren't. Perfect, but there were definitely uh, plus points, and uh, not least Nabi Kaida um, showing again that uh, he's he's really beginning to to find some kind of form, uh, and he's not looking out of place at all. Fabinho at centre half. Now we have actually a, another bona fide centre centre half um, to on the books uh, when necessary. Plenty of positives. Uh, I think Bayern played very well, as you said, Cengiz. I just, for me, I just think they, they missed a, a little bit of a trick. And while their manager may not think so, and while the German press is is kind of singing their praises, one or two of them are are asking the question that uh, have they missed their chance? You know, with with a makeshift back four for Liverpool. I think you're right. I, I expected them to get us get get at us more. I was surprised at how on. The periphery, Lewandowski found himself and, and clearly frustrated by it as well with the number of silly fouls that he, he began to make as the game wore on. I wonder how much of their game plan was impacted by Javi Martinez having to come in for Goretzka, who was a late withdrawal. And I really like Goretzka. I think he's a really dangerous player. Um, and they certainly lost something in an attacking sense with him out of the side. But what you did have is, is as you rightly said, that, you know, we talked about how this Baron team is kind of coming to the end of the cycle. Um, they are, you know, a lot on the wrong side of 30. But what we failed to mention and what we probably should have mentioned was how much experience that brings. You know, as you just mentioned, it's, it's no surprise based on that performance. You know, if you look at that performance from them and then someone told you not knowing who it was that that team had been to, you know, at least the semi-finals to the Champions League in, in each one of the last six seasons, you wouldn't really have been surprised. Um, so there was a lot of experience to draw on from that side as well. Um, but, yeah, you make an interesting point about Keita. Um, Chengis, it would have been really easy for, for Klopp to go Henderson, Wijnaldum and Milner again as he's went, for example, you know, away in Paris. But Keita gets the nod, Milner's on the bench, what did you make of the midfield and how it functioned in some of the performances? And do you think we've seen a shift now from that tried and trusted method of, you know, Milner, Henderson, Wijnaldum to now seeing Keita and potentially Fabinho when he can step back into the midfield integrated into that 
you know, first choice big game eleven. Yeah, that's that's a good point you make, Dave. Um, so as you said, uh, we we played with um, our tried and trusted midfield um, against PSG. I, I thought it was in general an okay performance. Certainly not our best, but um, they definitely. I'm sorry, I'm sorry, Tengas. You know that I think just to, just to point it out before you go on, that is the midfield that, that took us to the Champions League final last year, and sure. that is the midfield that that you know put you know five past five past Porto, five past. City and five or seven past um, Roma over two legs each. Sure, I mean of course, but I mean there's uh, there's definitely a reason why we've uh, brought in players like Fabinho and Keita additionally to uh, push our players, and you can see that Genie has had um, quite a lot more influence maybe this season than compared to. I mean, not saying that he he wasn't influential last season, but uh, you can just see that you know you can't just rely on the same players to produce the exact same performances um, in subsequent seasons because situations change, the injury situation changes, everyone has different levels of fitness and whatnot. And, um, you know, our, our away form um, so far in the Champions League has been um, quite bad. We, I, we lost all our games so far uh, since the start of this campaign in the Champions League, haven't we? So um, I, I think I don't think it's a matter of going for the tried and trusted, but whatever suits our game plan better. So, um, you know, Nabi Keita has been given um, a, a run of games recently and he's really, really started to look good in all departments. I thought he was uh, better defensively as well um, uh, against Bayern. He he has a good block, you know, when uh, Mati was put in a difficult situation and the ball is bouncing back and forwards and coming back into the box and they were really pushing hard and he had a crucial block there. So he's really learning the game and I, I think it, it kind of makes sense that he continues getting this run because if you play him into form, the whole point of that is to have a, to bring the best out of the top class player that you have in your hands. And he's um, he's definitely not the finished article yet. I mean, he he's not reached his potential, nowhere even close to it. But he's really starting to show um, his qualities and what he can bring to our side. So, but nevertheless, I think you know James Milner hasn't been in the side for a few games now, and you know. He's a hell of a player. You know, you can always guarantee at least a 9 out of 10 performance. And if he gets anything below an 8 out of 10, you know that something's going wrong. But um, it's, it's going to be it's going to be really tough to um, pick this uh, pick the midfield in the upcoming games, especially with, you know, Van Dyke not not having any um, more suspensions and hopefully he doesn't get um, injured. So Fabinho can be uh, brought back to the midfield, which I think he's probably one of our most important midfielders at the moment um so i mean it, it's i think what we what we are uh, for sure to see um is that we will continue probably playing a three-man midfield at least for the upcoming games you know for man united and um especially the away games but um and and when you have the midfield three you you have of course genie who's been absolutely amazing uh for the whole season although he did look a bit Mm, uh, off the pace against Bayern. Uh, maybe he's a bit tired and he might need a rest because we've relied on him so much. But, you know, we, we have Wijnaldum, Milner, Henderson, Fabinho. Um, and, you know, it's, it's just, there, there's, the, the competition is incredible and, uh, that should only get them really fired for every single game. But, um, I think rather than picking on paper, um, our favorite midfielders and, uh, based on you know what's worked for us in the past and what hasn't 
Um, it's important to put the opposition in context and um, try and <clears throat> try and keep our midfield as healthy as possible because we have at least five fantastic midfielders who would be equally um, well playing there and um, help out both in defense and in attack. And as uh, the most important thing for me is to um, keep them all healthy and fit because you know it's we have what only there'll be only 11 games left after we play Man United in the league and then hopefully we can have a run in the Champions League as well so we'll need every single one of them and it doesn't matter who plays the most or whatever as long as they're all healthy I'm sure they will all have a really big part to play um, uh, for the uh, final uh, third of the season with those three or sorry with those five players it's really any three of the five it's not Fabinho or Henderson it's not Milner or Wijnaldum it's any three of those five can can function in a midfield and and do various different jobs and I think as multifunctional as they all are they they, they all still are specialists in one area or another and, and they do offer you something different so I think that's a really strong position to be in if, if you want to talk about you know horses for courses type players as opposed to you know, you can adapt the style of player without necessarily adapting the style of play. And obviously the player will ultimately have an impact on how that that style of play is interpreted and how it plays out on the pitch. Um, so that's a real asset to have. And it's going to be really interesting to see from those five which which three actually get the nod on, on Sunday. Because I think the fact that, this might sound stupid, but I think the fact that Van, Van Dijk can't play and Fabinho has to play centre half. I think that makes it really well, not really easy, but certainly easier for Klopp to to pick that midfield three um, against Barron. So yeah, the midfield's really interesting. Kind of starting to come into a bit of form. I'm not going to talk about Jordan Henderson because loads of people have spoken about how how absolutely brilliant Jordan Henderson's performance was, and it would feel a lot like self gratification coming from me. So I'm just going to leave that. See, someone's performance who hasn't really been mentioned, probably because it was nil nil. But I thought Bobby Firmino was absolutely brilliant. His hold-up play, his link-up play, you know, running down blind avenues and allowing you know the midfielders to to join him um, and bring them bring them into the counter attack. He was dropping deep. There was there wasn't very much space, particularly in that final third, the way Barron played. But he was so involved in the game and was at the centre of everything that we did um, really well. From an attacking perspective, am I right or am I just talking absolute shite? No, I think think you're right. I think um, he had his his typical or what we would come to expect now to be typical Champions League night, big night performance. I mean, I think he did everything that uh, that you know that he does. He, um, he, as you say, he held up really well. He linked up really well. He hurried. He pressed. You know, he was at the centre pretty much of everything good that we did. And as I mentioned before, right at the start, pretty much, you know, we could have taken some some chances. We'd taken those chances, we'd be talking about a different game. And, you know, you might be singing the praises of the, the forward players, uh, you know, a little bit more. Or they, they, they might have stood out a little bit more than the defensive one did. Obviously, in a nil-nil draw, you're naturally drawn to... Um, the defensive players, and we've, we've talked about Fabinho already. We've mentioned Allison and so on, and you know that that's a natural thing when when there are no goals. Yeah, I thought Firmino was excellent. 
think he's he's really getting back to his his best. He's had a couple of peaks and troughs this season already, but um, he looks to be you know the stride again just at the right time. And um, yeah, I mean it's interesting here what, what what you're saying about the midfield and so on. I mean I think what will happen there is you'll you'll see kind of a natural evolution and um, it, as you said, it'll be interesting who comes to the fore. But I think as far as the front three go there is no replacing probably for me no at the minute there is no natural evolution he you know when 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 Origi comes on there much as he is game and um puts himself about and so on it's chalk and cheese really um and it's it's so difficult to to find an, an understudy slash counterpart to uh to Bobby Firmino um Hopefully we'll maybe get somewhere close with, with Timo Werner if, if we end up signing him. Well, uh, Chief, this is an interesting this is an interesting conversation. So Firmino is he is a, a, a one of a kind footballer. He's yeah. not really like anybody else that you've you've no. seen play certainly at that level. So do you think that if and when Klopp decides to work around a system that doesn't have Firmino in it because let's face it, he's very, very rarely unavailable. Like we've talked about no, the issues with our centre halves. Really hmm? get injured? Never. He's never not available. It's absolutely mad. He's just a really resilient footballer. And if Bayern and have you know a really nominal number nine centre yeah. forward goal scorer playing, and then look to replace Firmino. If you want essentially further back, so maybe with a more, you know, goal scoring, creative midfield player. Potentially, potentially, yeah, because it's easier to find to find those players, isn't it? As you already mentioned, you know, Firmino is is one of a kind. I mean, I think what you're getting at there was saying that you don't really see a type his a player his type at that level is because normally the the inverted commas, industrious players, the players that uh, hustle and Ari are generally kind of at the at the, the clubs in the in the middle echelons or the, or the bottom bottom echelons. I mean, that's begun to change of course with the with the evolution of football and the you know the the advancement of, of the pressing philosophy and all of that. But to have a player that can give you that level of work rate, that level of tenacity, added to that level of skill, finishing ability, tactical awareness, you know, all of that, they don't really exist. Like, I mean, very, very difficult to find. So, um, and, and the fact that he's, he's kind of indefinable as a, as a player as well. What, what position does he play? You know, uh, is he a nine? Is he a 10? People will argue that he's neither. What the fuck is he? You know, the reality is he is neither. Yeah, he's both. He's like he's neither. like a defensive. He's like a, a defensive midfielder striker. Yeah, it, it's it's insane, and it's his his um his awareness of what an an ability to anticipate what the, the defender will do, which way he's going to turn, how he's going to think, all of that is 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 unbelievably good for a striker. I, like. I reckon he'd be brilliant at six. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. But I mean, there was a. There was a little bit of, of, of that with Suarez in, in that he would anticipate what the defender was going to do next and be there before him and take it off him. And Firmino has a little bit of that in him, uh, uh, you know, as well, although it's, uh, you know, in a different way almost. 
but yeah, I mean, I, I I think you're probably right. You know, you you may well end up seeing that happen, and it would make sense for that to happen. You know, um, they're more orthodox positions going for a number nine, and then a, a more attacking midfielder and playing that way and playing with four two three one. So yeah, could be, could be. I think something like that maybe even works in our favor. You know, looking looking quite far ahead, where it's it's just it's just another it's just another thing that teams are going to have to figure us out with. Potentially, potentially, you could have both options in in your starting lineup because wouldn't that be phenomenal? You know, Bobby's what twenty six, mm, 27, 28 maybe. Don't think he's twenty eight quite, but I mean, he's got a cu- couple of years left minimum. Oh, certainly. Yeah, so, I mean, you're looking kind of further in the future, but, but to just sign those kind of players and have that array, I mean, that's essentially where we want to get to, isn't it? Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. But we'll not talk about transfers because yeah. I'll only get excited and we'll be here for the rest of the pod talking about it. So, anybody, any other thoughts on, on Barn before we kind of... We can go for United now, no? Oh, we can go for United now, but... Let's. I know it's three weeks away, which seems absolutely crazy for a second leg, for for two legs of a of a of a Champions League round to be three weeks apart. It just makes no sense to me at all. But I'm long like. Oh, it's really strange. But nil nil, not a bad result as we've talked about. Perfectly poised. Perfectly it's gonna, poised. It's going to be over there. It's going to be a shootout. Do you think so? Yeah, absolutely. I don't think. I don't think Barn will play a lot differently to what they did at Anfield. I don't I think they'll have to. I don't think they'll change that much. I think they'll probably be a bit more assertive on the break, but I still think they will be going in because I think they have to. I think they have to go in with the primary objective of like I, I don't think they want to get into a shootout with us is what I'm trying to say. No. And I think that was painfully obvious from the first leg. But how do they play it? I mean, ideally, I mean, I'm going to bring Chengiz in on this, or we should bring Chengiz in on this as well, but, like, ideally, if it were me, if I were a Bayern fan, nil-nil, I want it to be nil-nil with 10 minutes to go and then try and nick one. Yeah, well, Chengiz, that was what I was going to say to you. You know, do we expect to see, and does the manager feel in his element here because he has experience of these types of games? And... What would he have done, I suppose? Say, for instance, this is Eintracht Frankfurt last year against Bayern Munich in the cup final as it was. What what does what does Kovacs do? Well, because I think it, I think it's a lot about the manager's mentality as opposed to I think we can get wrapped up in this is Bayern Munich, but actually we need to consider a lot. What what is the manager? What's the, what's in the manager's thinking? What's his prerogative here? It's a really really tough one, Dave. I mean. So if, if we were going, if we, if we had played the first leg at Bayern and if we would have got a nil-nil, we would have probably been like, hey, that's a good result. Not really bothered. We'll beat them at Anfield. The thing is, you know, they would probably want to have most of the ball and control the game because they're at home, but they will be very wary of our counterattacks. Uh, obviously, um, Kimmich is going to be missing the tie who's one of their best players, you know, he's been getting um, praise from the most legendary of players, and uh, we've all seen him, um, how good he was. I thought he was really, really good. Um, and he's going to be a big miss for them in attack, so 
Um, I'm not sure um, how they will use this. Um, you think that they would be a bit more adventurous and brave uh, while playing it. And they'll have um, they have they have a pretty loud crowd, I would say, because of the fucking drums that they have. They brought it to Anfield as well, and you could you could hear it for the whole 90 minutes, which was kind of annoying. Um, but yeah, it's gonna be loud, and the players will be up for it. And they, you know, their their recent record has been really good as well. So. Um, they'll be feeling really confident with that nil-nil, um, but I really certainly wouldn't be surprised if um, Kovac wanted to say, okay, uh, they're going to probably want to want it more than us. They wouldn't want to go to extra time away from home, so they're going to try and um, hit us late on. You know, they, they might try and contain us for the majority of the game, have a similar game plan, uh, since especially Kovac has, has more experience of being a defensive coach. Um, and maybe try and actually nick the game in the last 10 minutes um, because, uh, you know, they, they were never going to risk it um, in, in the final 10 minutes at Anfield. I mean, you would have liked them to try and maybe expose themselves, especially with um, Allison missing. Um, oh, oh, sorry, um, with Van Dijk missing. Um, so, you know, uh, I think Neil made the point earlier that, you know, it, it's it. It, it must have been felt in some way that it was a chance miss, but you wouldn't expect them to risk um, getting beat, you know, if they miss their chance and we hit them on the break and we score in the last minute. And, you know, it would be very hard to come back at Anfield um, to try and get a uh, get that away goal very late on. So um, I wouldn't be surprised if they try and, you know, play Martinez again, or, or perhaps they'll probably play Leon Goretzka, who will be a much bigger of a threat. Um, and we know how, uh, you know, he's, he's a very box to box kind of mi- midfielder. So, um, if he would be making those, um, uh, runs into the box and we somehow intercept and then we have the ball in mid, um, in our half, but facing, um, uh, their goal. And if Salah is free or Mane on the left, then, you know, anything could happen. So I, I actually, um, I think whatever Kovac's game plan will be, it would definitely favor us more, especially with uh, going there on a nil-nil. So on that, let's all prepare ourselves for a Milner when Aldum Henderson midfield at the Allianz Arena. So, Chief Manchester United <laughs> on Sunday, they went to Chelsea and absolutely smashed them 2-0. But to be fair, Chelsea, 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 they're rotten. Do you know what? That's exactly. That's exactly the way to describe that club at the moment because they are yeah, rotten. They're, they're rotten to the core, aren't they? Yeah, they're rotten inside out. They're rotten to the core. Do, do you know what? Abramovich is just going to have to take. He's going to have to take the plunge one of these days and just go right. Just give the manager carte blanche to just get get rid of whoever he wants. Because only he's going to know who the bad apples are in there. I mean, I wouldn't be surprised if one day soon. Roman's love affair with Chelsea ended like maybe so maybe he just doesn't give a shit anymore and it's just easier either he's not I don't know I mean I don't want to get into trouble so I can see he's not piling the money in in the way that he did so maybe he doesn't have the the need or the want to do that anymore so maybe that's a sign you know we'll see yeah but anyhow yes you're you're right they're 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 rotten rotten to the core so I don't read as much into that as some people might um, especially considering the way that they absolutely capitulated against Manchester City after putting up a 
decent fight for the first three and a half, four minutes. So, <laughs> United, this is, this is an interesting one for me, right? Firmino comes off, and Bigarigi comes on, and Keita comes off, and Milner comes on. Now, I was really surprised with it being nil-nil that I didn't see Shakiri. So, I, so, so, what do you get? No, at? I just is there a chance that maybe he's going four, two, three, one with Shakiri at Old Trafford away from home? I had a little thought about that. I mean, I think, I think he likes four, two, three, one as a formation in the league. Um, I don't know though. I don't know. I mean, because Shakiri gives you that impact. Because he had that impact as a substitute. Uh, I know, but I know, Chief, I know that's what you're saying, but then he didn't bring him on. He didn't bring him on, but maybe he just felt that he, he didn't want to risk anything. It was too tight. And the last, I mean, we make no mistake, once that goes past 70 minutes, we've got more to lose than they do. That's fair. That's all very fair. You know, so the last thing we want to do is concede the way goal there. And I think he's going, you know, I, I'm just not going to take the chance. Yeah, Shakiri might put one top in. But let's be honest, 1-0, nil, 0-0, nil, nil, there's not much of a difference. I, I just want to jump in on that. Um, so I, uh, Pep Linders in his um, interview recently, I think he said that um, the main reason why we kind of switched to the 4-2-3-1 was so we can kind of get um, Fabinho uh, working more in the way of the team because, you know, the, he, he said that, um, you know, he's very brilliant at defending vertically, but he was struggling with all the horizontal movements and finding uh, the, the midfielders in tight spaces uh, right next to him as opposed to always trying to think vertical and um, kicking the ball long or whatever. Um, so, and, you know, he, he was obviously struggling in the beginning when, when playing in the 4-3-3 and then as soon as we kind of switched to the 4-2-3-1, you could su- kind of start seeing the better out of Fabinho and then now he's really kind of, um, uh, integrated into the team and he's more comfortable playing the three as well. Um, and in fact, uh, even at center back. So, um, I think that that could have been one of the major reasons why we kind of did the 4-2-3-1, maybe not the only one, but also to kind of bring a bit of a surprise element to the way we play since, you know, it, 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 it could have maybe started being a bit predictable with, you know, our front three and last season's midfield and, you know, playing Salah up top and Shakiri out wide, you know, it, it's, it kind of brings a new dimension. Also, Bobby Firmino being able to come in deeper, you know, maybe he, he did struggle, struggle a little bit when he was first shifted uh, to the 10, but then he kind of got used to it and, I think he's perfectly fine uh, playing that position now as well. But um, I think for Old Trafford away, it would I just I, I just wouldn't feel comfortable with Shakiri being there. I mean, not because of uh, you know purely for defensive reasons. Um, what if he went Henderson Fabinho as the two? Yeah, I would. Yeah, I would put Henderson Fabinho as the two. The thing with four two three one for me, no, this- I don't. No, I don't think he'll do it. I, 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 I think he likes don't. it, and and I I wouldn't actually be that surprised because it gives him the opportunity to get more attacking players on the pitch. But there is there is an argument to say that if you do that, then and it, and it doesn't work or it hasn't worked after seventy and you're nil nil, you you've no game changers, you you've nothing really to to kind of bring off the bench. 
Um, it's going to be interesting. I think what you say, Chengis there makes perfect sense as well because obviously Fabinho wasn't wasn't playing in midfield uh, in the Champions League there, and um, therefore it made absolutely perfect sense to be back at four three three. I think Klopp's looked at four two three one. It may have started as a as something to try and accommodate Fabinho a little, but there must have been a thought to sign him in the first place, and it's worked essentially in the league many many times. Um, we have the record we have playing that that system quite often. It's going to be interesting to see how we approach the United game because how do you rate United? How does Klopp rate United? Obviously, he's on the ground uh, there, you know, much more inside than we do. We look at United looking in. They they were awful under Mourinho. They they've had they've had a renaissance under Solskjaer. It's very much like it's very much like the the forty first yeah, match this or whatever you call whatever they called it, isn't it? Because this is a this is a game that you wouldn't you won't necessarily have to play in a lot of other seasons where they are a very very different side. So we've got nothing to work from when it comes to how we played them last time. Yeah, yeah, no, you're absolutely right. But having said that. Klopp's got plenty of evidence now. There's a large enough sample size. Solskjaer's been in charge for, what is it, 12 games at least by now, I would have said, between League and Cup and, and Champions League and so on. So he's got enough to to kind of analyse uh, and see how they're, they're playing and what changes they've made. The thing is with United, they have good players who can No, they actually have a, a couple of, of great players. I mean, Pogba is a great player. Um, I don't know if they have any other great players, to be honest. But they they certainly have very good players as well. You know, your Rashford's coming on, your your Martial's and so on. He may be injured. Lingard may be injured. We'll see what happens. But they're not great at the back, apart from De Gea. There's no doubt about that. So how do you approach it? Do you go there and attack them? Or do you go there and look to try and be patient and, and pick them off? I think that's possibly a little bit more dangerous. I think we should probably go there and scare them. I'm interested to see how they'll approach it, whether they'll try and blitz us in the first half an hour and come on strong, or whether they'll try and sit back and soak up pressure and try and hit us on the break from the start. Um, so it's going to be intriguing, as you rightly say. We've no real idea how they're going to set up. You can guarantee Ferguson... And Solskjaer will be sitting down to discuss how this one uh, this one pans out um, and spend many hours talking about it and, and we'll see what they come up with. But essentially we have to go there we have we have to go there and win the game. Um, and you know, whilst the thing with the United is <laughs> they're fucking they, at this point they're, they're getting quite lucky. You know, they're beating beating good teams. You know, people are saying, and I've been one of them. They haven't really had a big test. They haven't really beaten anyone good. And then, and then they, you know, they'll, they'll go and beat Spurs, but the keeper will make fourteen saves, or they'll go and beat Chelsea, but Chelsea have fallen off a fucking cliff. And how do you rate Chelsea? Do you know what I mean? And it's very difficult to actually gauge the only the only time they played a properly good side, they were schooled, and that was against PSG. You know, we've beaten PSG this season at home. United have lost. Easily. 
Yeah, and United easily. lost to them comfortably. At, we've dominated that game, and although the scoreline doesn't suggest, and the way we've won the game, it doesn't suggest we've won it easily. I know exactly what you're saying. You know, we and don't. a far and a, and let's be honest, a, a better eleven. A, a PSG with Neymar and Cavani playing. Yeah, you know, so a far better PSG. So how do you rate them? This will be a, a really a test of how you rate both sides. Actually, now where we are, because obviously we've had a what people might call a slight wobble with 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 a few draws and obviously the Bayern game is a nil nil and you know we're not as as potent as as we were two months ago this will be a good barometer of, of just where both sides are and personally I think we're a lot better um I think you know that's been shown so far but this will this will um kind of rubber stamp that um, and I, I think we will we'll look to go in and and, uh, and beat them and, and attack them and 4-2-3-1 I don't know I don't know I I would personally keep because of what Shakiri did in the, in the last game coming off the bench I would personally keep him to come off the bench I mean what would you say? I don't think he'll go 4-2-3-1 simply because and as I say all the time I can only look at what he's done in these sorts of games this season and in every big game home or away against the top six and in the Champions League he's gone 4-3-3 and I don't expect it to be any different this time it's just going to be a really interesting it's going to be interesting to see what he does in the midfield because I think he picks you know the rest of the team kind of figures itself out by itself does he go Henderson because it's Jordan Henderson and we all know how the manager rates Jordan Henderson I think it's, I think it's Fabinho if I had to put my hat on it today I'd say it's Fabinho when Alvin Kaida Okay, I think it's Fabinho, well, Henderson, Fabinho, Fabinho, Kaida. I think he'll want a little bit of extra protection on the counter because I think that is United's big threat is their pace on the counter attack. And even if Martial isn't fit and even if Lingard isn't there, Rashford has come on leaps and bounds. And he is a match winner. I think he might also play someone in there. I think he could play Fabinho in there. As Tuchel did with Marquinhos, just to get right in his face. Or, who better for a job like that than Jordan Henderson? Let's be honest. He'll just irritate him into submission. But, you know, it's it's a really it's a really difficult one. I just, I find it difficult to comprehend a, wor- a world where when Jordan Henderson is fit and Jordan Henderson played the type of game he played against Bayern and it's you know Tuesday to Sunday which is fine even for him I find it difficult to believe there's a world exists where Klopp has it within himself not to pick him if that makes sense I know what you mean I know what you mean I just I, I, I think I can see that and I can see the fact that he might want a Henderson or a Milner on the pitch one or the other I think uh, he's I think he certainly wants one or the other yeah. I'm almost certain he does. I can see that. I can see that. And in that case, you know, if that were to happen, I would say that it's it's probably, I don't know, it's probably kind of that misses out. I don't see him not playing Genie away at Old Trafford. He always plays him in away at big games. He, he's always a, a has a, he's a big game player, like you know, and he's been class all season. He's one of the he's probably one of the fittest members of the squad. I think Fabinho is the first name on the team sheet in central midfield now. And and then you're looking at Naby. And I think 
he's wanted to play Naby, and I think if you've done all that and all that, and then you go to Old Trafford and you drop him. <laughs> I know. Imagine the, imagine the internal debate that Klopp has happened with himself. Yeah. <laughs> just going, just going, oh, fuck. Well, I could do, no, I can't do that, because what about him? And if I do that, then I, ha- I have to drop him. But then I could fit him in there, but then I have to play a different formula. You can just imagine. Like sorting out the seats of your fucking wedding. Yeah, and it's been it's, it's probably been easy for him in the past because he's had Wijnaldum, Henderson and Milner, and they understand, or at the time certainly understood, the system tactically far better than the other two did. Far better. But what you're seeing now is Fabinho absolutely get the grips with playing in that in that formation except, and in this team. As good as Hendo is, and as well as he played the other day, Fabinho has eclipsed him. He's technically a far superior player. There's absolutely no and doubt about it. He's also a more physical. Uh, uh, yeah, hundred percent. He's also more physical. I mean, the so, thing is, Fabinho is exactly the player. I, I think I mentioned in one of the uh, previous podcasts. He's he's the kind of player we haven't had in such a long time. I mean, he's the absolute midfield destroyer. Tall, you know. He he gets all the. All the headers as well. He's calm. He he plays it forward. He defends. He he can play multiple positions. He's he's the penultimate player. I mean, it's it, it was a, a, such a fantastic signing, and you know people absolutely had um, their doubts in the beginning about his form and everything. But um, he's just showing his class right now. He he's um, all over the pitch. You know, wherever you put him, he's gonna uh, he's gonna own that position and. I think he's nailed on to start, and I would absolutely love to see James Milner actually, because you know uh, we're going to need a, a lot of energy in that midfield. You know, facing actually facing Matic, Pogba, and Herrera, um, it's pretty much a similar kind of midfield to what we have. Maybe Pogba is the, I mean, Pogba would kind of be the Keita. Uh, uh, Keita would be Pogba's uh, version of us. Um, you know, under Herrera and Genie or Milner and Henderson. Uh, uh, Fabinho and Matic, for example. So it's, it's I think the, the game is definitely going to be one in midfield, but um, I, I would absolutely love to see Jimmy Milner in there, absolutely crunching tackle on Pogba, just to remind him that he's on the pitch. And obviously he has the ex-Man City route, so he, he would be very motivated for that as well. I, I think James Milner deserves to get back in the side, and not not because of you know, Hendo's had really good successive uh, games one after the other, you know. Uh, Wijnaldum has been absolutely undroppable, but he looked tired um, against Bayern. So maybe even if uh, they're they're both on merit, one of them would drop out and James Milner would come in just purely based on he would have more energy than both of them. And he would absolutely smash any anyone that comes his way and also give us that width uh, on the right and put in some dangerous crosses. I think it's worth looking at, and you know what, Chelsea make a really good point. The midfield is possibly and likely where the game will be won. So their three is probably going to be Pogba, Matty Terreira, Matty Terreira, yeah. because that's what it's been. So that's probably what it's going to be. Um, apparently, Fred's not very good at football. Fred, there's no bread. No, Fred's Fred's got no bread. <laughs> <laughs> and what? What uh, is there? Who's the other one? Is there someone else? No, Pereira. Eh? Uh, per, who's that? McTominay. Oh, McTominay. Aye, Jose's Jose's prodigy, and <laughs> Jose's <laughs> young Padawan learner. 
And then the other next best thing until preseason finished, who was um, is it Pereira? Pereira. Aye. So it's going to be those, so it's going to be those three, which is fine. There's one matter as well, but he played further forward or he'd come yeah, off the I mean, one matter. It's funny though. Could he go? It's a guy I was talking to, and he's convinced that he's convinced they're going to go with Diamond because yeah, they played at Diamond against Chelsea. Yeah, he's convinced they're going to go with Diamond, which would mean Mata, which would mean what Mata plays and Pogba plays left. Yeah, I think. How did they play it? Who? who how did they play it? Um, so Matic was at the base. Pogba and Herrera either side, and Mata in the ten. Was that the way it was? Mata and Mata in the ten, or else, or else Mata left and Pogba in the ten. Okay, I didn't watch well, the game. You know, so so the four of them could play, but. You know, you'd think you'd think with a midfield three of the three, you know, you put. Out, I mean, we're all going to play a different midfield by the sounds of it. Um, Genghis, Genghis wants to start Milner. You want to start Hendo, and I want to. I don't. I don't necessarily want to start Hendo. I'm just. I'm trying to understand based on what I've seen this year, what what Klopp might do. I mean, I I can think, but I'm also doing the same. And I I think as we were talking earlier, you guys were talking about the five and the three from five, and we'll be interested to see how. I think we're already beginning to see the natural evolution taking shape. That the preferred three. Is Fabinho, Wijnaldum, Kaida. Okay, so are you trying to tell me then, Chief, that say for instance, say for instance Van Dijk's not suspended on Tuesday night. Yep. Do you think that Henderson doesn't get one of those games? I think, yeah, I think he's he's decided already that, personally, I think he's decided Hendo's only getting one of the games anyway because they're so intense. And he's gone for the in the Bayern game because Fabinho's dropping the mid to, to centre-back. Um, I I also agree that it's it's difficult to see him dropping Hendo. I think it's difficult to see him dropping any of the others because I don't think you could legitimately drop Fabinho or Wijnaldum on form at all. I don't. I think I think it's a I think it's a risk to I think it's a risk to drop Kaido too. Yeah. So so I think it's very very difficult also as we were talking about to see him suddenly dropping Nabi Kaida for the trip to Old Trapper when he's he's played him in every game for the last eight or whatever it is and so, he also doesn't do the 90 yeah exactly he takes him off he protects him he, he's the first sub mm-hmm. that's right so, so you know you, you've got to see that you've got to imagine that he's going to start I personally now think that Milner's kind of done his time for this season he played a lot in the first half of the season and you know he, 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 he we, we saw that but by the end of by the last week he was playing he looked done he looked knackered he was done by Zaha fair enough playing a fullback but and you would get roasted but he was, he was getting roasted and he is getting on and he put a lot of minutes in the first half of the season yeah I think he, I think in saying that though I think he gets Watford yeah, so I think he definitely get games. Yeah, so there'll, there'll still be games he, he gets, and he's he's a he's a really valuable asset for the oh, likes of. Brilliant. If, brilliant. if we're if we're if we're two 0 up and just like this is just for two 0 up probably in any game, and Milner's on the bench with I twenty minutes to go, true. with twenty minutes to true. go, yeah, get on there, tell the tell the fuckers what to do, get it sorted out, get it seen out, and we'll get on to the next one. Yeah, I don't think he starts away at Old Trafford. Do you know what I mean? So um, I just think that that's the the kind of natural evolution. I think it 
it would be a, a big decision for Klopp, you know, whether he goes for Henderson or Kaida in, in, in that third position. But I don't know. I think that that's the way it's going. And if it doesn't happen this time, it'll happen next time. And I think it's, again, how, how he sees it. Because like it or not, if you pick Henderson, it's going to be slightly more defensive and slightly less creative. And if you pick pick Kaida, it's it, it potentially going to be, you know, more explosive and, and more unpredictable. Although he, he showed his defensive qualities against Bayern as well. I, I agree with you. I think it's going to be very interesting, but I think that's that's the way it's going. Just to finish off then, I'm not going to ask for predictions because that's not fair. Um, let's. I want a prediction. What's Tengus, what midfield three is Klopp going with? So I, I think... If there's one player that's nailed on, that's Fabinho at the six. Um, and considering we'd play a midfield three, I would say Gini Wijnaldum and James Milner to partner Fabinho. And the reason for that being, um, my thinking is that if we assume that Martial and Lingard will both miss out, I would think that Lukaku plays up front and Rashford plays on the left. And he, uh, last season at Old Trafford, he gave a torrid time to Trent. Um, so I, I think they could do something like Lukaku plays um, up front, Rashford on the left um, against Trent, and on the other side you'd maybe have Alexis Sanchez or vice versa uh, switching the flank. So uh, I think they would, you know, if 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 there's a Lingard in there, you know, his work rate is um, much higher um, uh, compared to Alexis Sanchez, for example. So I think we could really use to um, use use the flanks to uh, hurt them and. Uh, you know, Salah when he plays um, um, on the wing in a 4-3-3, he doesn't he doesn't put any crosses in. He just it's basically his starting position where he picks up the ball and uh, runs inside, um, tries to create something or score a world class goal. Um, you only have Trent playing at right back who could uh, put in a nice cross in. But when you have Trent and Milner um, in the same starting lineup with Milner um, on the on the right side of the midfield three. Uh, they they just link up uh, so well, and either one of them has the possibility. You basically have uh, you double the chances of putting in um, a dangerous cross. So, um, and you also have the uh, really high work rate, and um, he's also you know been out of the side recently, so his energy levels will be high, I think. So that's why I'm going for that midfield three. All right, Chase. Yeah, I mean, I think I said earlier that Fabinho and Alan Kaida, I think that's that's the way he's going to go. Yeah, I, I, I'm. I'm not. I, I, I get exactly where Chang is coming from, and um, yeah, he is due a game, Milner. Uh, but I think you know. I think he probably starts against Everton. Uh, I'm not convinced he starts away at Old Trafford. Um, there's an argument for Henderson, as we discussed, but I think he's going to go for Bino when Alvin Kaida. Okay, so I think he goes Henderson, Wijnaldum, Kaida. And Fabinho plays centre half and Matic drops out. <laughs> you just wanted to sneak Fabinho on that side, didn't yeah. you? Just, yeah, well that, that 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 could happen. I it's just I don't I don't really think it will happen. I think it's just it's just a little bit of a mad shout. I wouldn't yeah. be upset if I saw that actually. I, I don't nice think anybody would be so upset much. if they saw that, yeah. but I don't think that's what it's the nice manager's gonna do. It's a nice curveball. Yeah, I can I can get behind that, but I just, I just there is that thing that if Fabinho can just as we said, the game can be will probably be won and lost in midfield. And if Fabinho gets in there, he's better than all of them. Yeah, I, th- I think you're right. I think there's a real argument for Kaida to play because let's be honest, 
Maddox and Herrera, they're really not the most mobile of footballers. No, if you get round them. Yeah, he can get round them and he can get by them. So I think there's a real argument for him to play. Fabinho and Wijnaldum, there's there's probably the bigger arguments for both of them to play, certainly amongst the fan base. And I would probably, and I've said this before, I'd like to see that midfield three get a real good string of games together because I think that is the way forward. But I just find it difficult to see a world where Klopp doesn't pick Jordan Henderson in this match. But yeah. we will wait and see. We will wait and see. So on to Old Trafford, another season defining match, the biggest match of the season so far, as they will continue to be until probably very few games from the end of the season, if not the last one. Guys, thanks for joining me. Pleasure, mate. Nice to have you. Actually, pleasure, man. Yep. Cheers. Cheers, and it was for me too. Um, so, yeah, up the midfield rotational reds. <laughs> <laughs> Plus one. <laughs>